0: Prayer, Revelation, and Obedience this is the title of the message, Acts ten one through 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Now, how many of y'all remember I did an offering teaching on that this Sunday? Well, anyway, I'm not going to de- teach on offerings, but there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff in here. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, I'd be interested in knowing, the Bible doesn't tell us whether this was a vision or whether this was a a manifestation of of the presence. Because I believe uh, angels can manifest, but I believe you can also, God can open your eyes to see in the spiritual realm. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if God's opened some of your eyes and you can see angels. But I may not be, I, may, I, I think if an angel appeared to me, I think I would be super surprised. Anyway, uh, but that's what Cornelius stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So the book of Acts builds on the mandate that had been given to the disciples to go into all the world. Foundational to that mandate was, of course, that they were saved. But Jesus said... Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father. It was to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Up to now in the book of Acts, they'd gone into Jerusalem today in Samaria, but now God was going to open a door to help them to understand in their mindset and their way of thinking that the gospel was supposed to go into all the earth. So he was going to extend their vision beyond Jews and uh, Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews to the Gentiles, but it was so far outside their box that um, God was going to, through a a man named Peter, God was going to stretch him through a vision that he was going to have. We're not going to touch on that uh, today, but basically God had to uh, speak to Cornelius. God had to speak to Peter. They put the two together, and something incredible came out of that. So what we see orchestrated in this chapter is the outworking of God's plan through the revelation of instructions and directions to Cornelius and Peter, which would lead to the outpouring of God's Spirit. As the Gentiles get saved and filled with the Spirit of God, but we're going to concentrate on this particular part of the of the chapter. And in this particular part of the chapter, we're going to begin with point one, which is the hour of prayer. It says in Acts ten and three about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision of uh, uh, an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. The ninth hour of the day for uh, uh, the Jewish uh, 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 in the Jewish calendar was about three p.m. And for you and me, that was designated for the faithful period of, of the people of God as the hour when they offered the evening sacrifice. You would have a morning sacrifice. You have an evening sacrifice when the temple was in existence, when the temple was functioning. That's the way God created it. You had two sacrifices a day. But also uh, during those times, it was 9 o'clock and it was 3 o'clock, so it was the third hour. Uh, And the ninth hour, I believe, was was the time designated for the sacrifices. And it was also designated as the hour of prayer. So, what you're going to find is that the New Testament, in the New Testament, uh, the disciples, even though they were no, uh, God was going, even, I'm trying to find a way to say it, I don't want to, I don't want to. Uh, say too much and then I have to explain it. But uh, even though Jesus had broken them out of the traditions of Judaism and was going to do that more and more, they still were structured in how they do things. They were structured in their prayer time. And uh, they they would go to prayer while everybody else was praying. And it's amazing that even though they had a structure to their prayer time, God used the prayer time that was structured to speak to them. And I think sometimes uh, uh, uh Maybe not all of us. I actually like structure, but I think there's some people you don't like structure. Oh no, structure! God's not into structure. We're not. We're not bound by the law anymore. We're not bound by rules. We're not. We could just be free. Well, you can be free. There, you are free. There's nothing wrong to that, with that. But what you're going to find is that in your freedom, if you can learn to bring some structure to your life, you'll find that you will uh, 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 partner with God and see God do more in your life as you bring your creativity and your freedom into His structure pattern. Okay, it's like, uh, um, yeah, I know, uh, we don't, we're not in the world, we don't, but anybody know who a guy named Billy Joel is? Very famous singer, very famous musician, lots of number one hips, incredible, uh, incredible uh, 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 gifted, incredible career, incredible gifted man. Uh, he would talk about, he said uh, what he would do every day is he would sit at the piano for two hours. He was very gifted, but he found that he wrote more and did more when he structured himself to sit for a couple hours every day at the piano. All right? So now, for somebody that's very creative, that's hard to do. But if you can bring your creativity and put some structure to it, and I'm I'm talking specifically in terms of prayer, right? The Bible says, "Early in the morning." Now I may not get to the whole message. Is is that okay? I'm just kind of feeling like I may not get to the whole thing, but we'll we'll do the best we can. So, um, early in the morning, I will seek you. Okay. So. I'm just going to go on a rabbit trail, but just talk about my own experience. Um, I, I am a very structured individual. I just, I like that. I, it's my personality. I like to have routine. Anna says I was born old. Um, you know, <laughs> You know, because I was just very, I like to do things. I'll eat the same. I told you I ate pancakes 17 days in a row. I ate at that same time with the same, uh, uh, it's the same way. When I eat my pancakes, I go around in a circle. I move the plate and go around and I do it every time the same way. I just very, I just. I know I'm quirky. I know it. Right? You look up quirky in the dictionary and there's my name. And yes, the synonym for that is weird. Okay, anyway. But I, I, that's just my, my nature. So it says early in the morning Well, I see you, I was in Bible school, and before I went to Bible school, um, somebody had shared with me a quote by, um, what was the name of the guy? Um, I'll think of it here in a minute. But anyway, that it, I wouldn't give two bits, that's a quarter, uh, an old-fashioned way of saying a quarter, two bits for a minister that's a full-time minister spent less than two hours in prayer. And I thought, oh, man, I want to start praying for two hours, you know, because um so I went to school and started uh, praying for a couple of hours and the Lord put me together with a guy who was he was 32 when he went to school but at that particular time I was older than most everybody else there cuz I was like 21 or 22 and uh, and so I felt old but 32 that's ancient. At that particular time I said man you know what to be 32 again you know <laughs> it's like but anyway, God put me together with him, and he would go and pray. He was the one that shared that, that scripture with me. And uh, so he would go and pray two hours every day. I'd go pray for two hours every day. And uh, after about five minutes, I didn't know what to pray about. I didn't know what to do. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I was going to be there for two hours. But then I I was in class with a professor, and as professor, every time you walked into his class, something was different. What was different was you felt the presence of the Lord in a greater way. I'm not saying that other people weren't with God, but you can tell sometimes people are dry, you know, their personalities may be dry, but you can still feel the presence of the Lord. You walked into his class, you felt the presence of the Lord, and one of the things that he shared in one of the classes was to learn how to have a, a coffee break with God, you know, and and he said, and, and he kind of put it. He used contemporary terms to put prayer into not a ritual, not a rigor, but to put it into a um, a way that you transform your prayer life. From uh, yes, it needs to be uh, on a regular basis. It needs to be routine. But if it's not carefully, become too routine, it can become a discipline uh, that's more than just a time. You can be disciplined about spending time with someone you love, or you can just be about the discipline. So, um, and that's what I was trying to say before. You're going to spend time with someone you love, but you've got to be disciplined about it, all right? So I knew that I needed to spend time with the Lord. I had a job. Uh, I found a job when I was up there where I was working at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, if I need to spend two hours a day with God, I need to do it early in the morning, and I need to start doing it at 4 o'clock in the morning. All right, I'm telling you, I, I just that's just the way my mind thinks, right? Early in the morning will I seek you. And you go, this guy's going, what's wrong with you? You're crazy. Uh, yeah, right, the people that work at Dow that wake up at 3 o'clock so you can be at work at 5 o'clock. And then you do, yeah, you guys tell me that, you, that y'all don't do crazy stuff. I'm just doing it for God. And you think it's crazy because I'm doing it for God and not doing it for Dow and getting a big paycheck. But the Bible says... Seek you first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And, and I hope you'll learn something from me. I think God's much more important than what he can do for you. He's much more important than what Dow can do for you. And, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, but if somebody calls you to go fishing and tells you to meet you at 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll be there because you do what you want to do. I wanted to be with God. I wanted to do that. So uh, I started waking up at 4 in the morning. And uh, But, you know, your body's not used to going to bed early, so uh, 11 o'clock, you're looking at the wall, 4 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, finally I fall asleep about 12.30, 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, what am I going to do? I get up. And when I got up, I'd make myself a cup of coffee, you know, I'd sit before the Lord. I didn't start making a cup of coffee, but I'd sit before the Lord, and I'd do that, and I'd fall asleep after about 15, 20 minutes, because the only place I could find to have a, a, a quiet time with God was in the lobby of the dorm, and I didn't want to turn all the lights off when every, on when everybody was sleeping at 4 o'clock in the morning. So would sit there, find a place where a little light was shining forth, and I'd just start to spend the time with the Lord, and then I'd find... About 15, 20 minutes, I'd sleep for about an hour, hour and a half, wake up, time to go to work. But, you know, the Lord never chastised me, never corrected me, never said, I can't believe you're falling asleep. He didn't say that. Finally, after a couple of months, my body began to realize, because, you know, your your body will fight you, and it will try to master you, but you can't let your body master you can't do it it's just like kids if you're not careful you'll let your kids rule you you can't let it happen you can't you 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 have the ability to stop that and you have the ability to deal with your body you just got to be more stubborn than your body right and so what I I I just kept at it I don't care how tired I was I kept at it finally it took a couple of months but after a couple of months I'd start to fall asleep about 10 o'clock and then when I started waking up at four o'clock I didn't fall asleep as much and it took a while, but eventually I got to this, this place where I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, my time with the Lord, I had two hours to spend with the Lord, and I would spend time with God. And I did that, and I've been doing that. And I went to Bible school in 1988. I was always praying, always, because I was just one of those, those crazy people that if you told me to do something, I did it. There was a guy named Herschel Walker. Anybody know who Herschel Walker is? All right, but he's, he's, I don't know how old he is right now, but he's in incredible shape. What happened was, he was a kid, he wasn't. And somebody said, do push-ups, sit-ups, and sprints. You know what he did? Push-ups, sit-ups, and sprints. He was foolish enough to do what somebody told him to do. And he became one of the biggest, fastest, most incredible athletes cross-pollinating different sports, doing different things, because he did what somebody told him to do. Somebody told me, you need, to have, you need to pray every day, you need to read your Bible every day, you need to go to church, and you need to tithe. I was just <laughs> stupid enough to believe him. I'm just saying, Right? And, you know, it's like, nah, we fight, we fight, you know. But the bottom line is, if you want to see success, you've got to do things God's way. You've got to have some discipline in your life. I'm not telling you to become like me. I'm just saying you do have to become a little disciplined in your life. You have to, if you want to get a paycheck, you've got to be disciplined enough to get up and go to work. Right? You, gotta, you So you can do it. You just have to do it. With the end in mind, understanding, uh, and 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 for things that that can actually help you in your life, right? so uh i started to do that and i've been doing that like i said I, I started school in 1988 so i can say i've been doing that since 1988 that's at least a couple of years i still do that today uh, i wake up at, at five o'clock in the morning sometimes the lord wakes me up at four o'clock in the morning and i'll be here and you know some of y'all sometimes you'll text me at 5 30 6 o'clock, and you say i'm so sorry i've been up you know no worries about it i'm up and uh, sometimes uh, the lord wakes me up because he wants to be with me. Right? And so I go into that structured time of prayer. But you're wondering, uh, I've got a bunch of messages. I don't go to, to the Lord for messages. I just have messages coming out of my ears because God is full. And when you spend time with him, he's like, here, here. You know, you ever go with your kids and your kids are staying with you. They don't need anything. Here's $20. Well, I don't need $20. I don't care. I just take $20. It's kind of like you spend time with God. He's like, here, here's another message. Here's some more manna. Here's some more revelation. Why? I just want to. Here, I got plenty. Take some. Right? Really, but you have to spend time with the Lord. You have to. You have to have, I would encourage you, you don't have to do it at 4 o'clock in the morning. You don't have to do it at 6 o'clock in the morning. You don't have to do it, you can do it at 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. For me, it just always worked better to do it in the morning, right? And so God has honored that. He's honored that in my life. And I'm not trying to make myself to be something great or anything. I'm just trying to teach you from my life. And that's what Cornelius is doing. He is actually a God-fearer, he's not even a Jew. Uh, The reason a lot of people were attracted to the Jewish religion and to the Jewish uh, faith, but they wouldn't go all the way to be a Jew because they would have to get circumcised and they'd have to. And that was like, no, I don't want to do that. But They'd go as far as they would, but they were attracted to things of, of God, and, and here Cornelius was, and one of the things that he learned how to do on a regular basis was to spend time with God during the structured hours that they made available. I'll pray on my own time. Hey, we have prayer every night, Sunday night at... 6.30. We we're going to have, gonna have prayer now starting at 7 o'clock on Monday nights. And, and we have prayer at structured times. Oh, no, no. I just I just pray on my own. God knows. God understands. And, and you know, and I'm trying to get you to understand is that you, you can pray on You should pray on your own. But there are also benefits to praying structured times of prayer with the Lord. Even if during those structured times you may go sometimes and not get anything, keep doing it. And over a process of time, what's going to happen is all of a sudden the, the dam will break and you'll get flooded with revelation right that's what happened to cornelius about three o'clock he's praying and uh while he's praying all of a sudden he gets a revelation that's the second point so we're just they're gonna gonna flow a little bit and the the second point this was an hour of prayer but it was also an hour of revelation about the ninth hour of the day uh the angel of god came to cornelius and cornelius was deathly afraid said what and he said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, bring one Simon who is called Peter, and, and, and the rest of that. But during this time of prayer, Cornelius was praying himself, and he was caught up in a vision. It's amazing that during this time of structured prayer, God re- reveals himself and his plans. He reveals himself to Cornelius, uh, and uh, he reveals himself to a man that is communing with him. And Exodus. How many other Gentile God fearers were there? What was it about Cornelius that got his attention? He was a man of prayer, and he was a man, he well, this was what I taught on Sunday. He was a giver. And God himself says, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before me. I didn't say that. God said that. Right? So anyway. Uh, it's important to understand, it's, it's amazing. Well, how come God doesn't ever talk to me? Well, how often do you spend talking to Him? Right? And by the way, not so much here, but uh, I'll tell you about an experience I had in another church that I pastored. There was a lady that would call me sometime in the afternoon, and she would talk, and I, I promise you, she learned how to talk. And not stop talking and breathe at the same time so that it's almost like she she never paused for a breath. It's like a ventriloquist, you know. It's like she never paused for a breath. And so she would call me to talk about what she thought was important, but she didn't call me for my opinion. She just called me to talk right? anything for many of us, prayer is a time when we talk to God. We go to that time, we go, uh, you know, to that memorial place, that prayer closet, and we just lay out a request, kind of like going to the city hall. I went to the city hall today, and I wrote down that thing, here. And I think sometimes that's how we approach prayer, right? Not realizing that in prayer, God already knows what we need. Doesn't it say in the book of Matthew. It says He's not going to hear you for your much babbling. He already knows what you need even before you know you know you come. So what's prayer about? Well, I'll give you another example from all. All right. So I, I was trying to learn how to pray. I've told some of you the story before. Some of you are new. I was trying to learn how to pray, and so I'm a, I'm a i am read books is what I do, right? I read lots of books. So anyway, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the library at a, at a Bible school. I'm looking for books that teach you how to pray because I've got to pray. I, I'm only praying five minutes. I don't know what to do. Let me read a book, teach me what to pray. I go in there. They, all the books are why you should pray, how important it is to pray, but none of them tell you how to pray. They just say, should pray, it's good to pray, uh, you should be a person to pray, all that kind of but they don't tell you what to do in prayer. They just don't. So I thought, and I believe it was the Lord, I thought the Lord gave me an idea. And I said, well, Lord, one day I was, I was in, the, in the prayer room, and I was just talking to God, and I said, God, the word teaches me that you're my father, and I'm your child. I said, it's the responsibility of the father to teach the child how to do stuff. I want to learn how to pray. I don't know how to pray. You need to teach me how to pray. And God didn't whack me with a thunderbolt. He spoke to me. And here's what he spoke to me. And this the only thing he spoke to me, and it's carried me all this time. Now we're Pentecostals, right? You know what Pentecostals do? They speak in tongues. Blah 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 Something happens. Blah 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 blah. We speak in tongues. All right. Getting excited. Blah blah blah. And we're not against that, right? Hey, we got to go. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. And I'm for that. I want to do that. It's important. But here's what the Lord taught me. I'm Pentecostal. I speak in tongues. I do that. But here's what he taught me. Foundational to my prayer time, okay? He said, Rick, who knows more, you or me? Easy question to answer, but I had to think about it for a while. I said, Well, Lord, obviously you know more. And here's the thing here's the reason I got off on of that. I said, Well, if I know more, he said, Who should do most of the talking? I said, I guess the one that knows more. And if you know more, Lord, that means you should do most of the talking. But how do we approach prayer? Let your request be made known unto God. Who does most of the talking? We do. And you know what's hard to do sometimes? It's not that God can't. But you know what? If you're one of those one-way talkers, you really don't want to know what the other person thinks. You're just concerned with talking. Nobody in here. Look straight ahead. Nobody in here. All you want to do is talk. You just want to unload. You just want to share. You just want to do this. You don't care about response. You don't care about what anybody else thinks. You you just want to tell somebody, you don't even want an answer to your problem. This is my problem. Then you go next, this is my problem. You go next, you, you don't want to fix your problem. You just want to talk. Nobody in here. There's somebody out there online. But here's the thing if you never let the one that knows respond, you'll never get an answer to your problem. Even though they might have the answer to your problem. You say, well, God can just tell me. Well, He can, but He doesn't. He waits for you to be in a position to receive. What do we do when we lift up our hands in worship? We're opening ourselves to receive from God. And when is it that we receive? When we come into a position of surrender, right? So the thing is, with prayer, he said, who should do most of the talking? I said, well, I guess you should, Lord. And, I, you know, if you were to be in my prayer time with the Lord, you would, see, you would hear a lot of silence. My wife can tell you, I'd just sit in silence. But it's not silent because the Lord talks. As I spend time with him, as I read his word, and I don't pray a lot. But if I have a thought, something's on my mind, I said, Lord, you know I got to have an answer with this, Lord. And I'm so thankful that you hear my prayer and I'm just believing, God, because your word teaches me. I do this a lot. It says, it's "Teach me, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally without reproach, and it shall be given. I need wisdom in this area, and I thank you, God. That's about the extent of the prayer. If I didn't get an answer for it, I might do the same thing the next day. But you know what? It's like I don't have to spend all this time just hammering God to get him to do something that I think he doesn't want to do. No, he's already said he wants to. And now it's not a not position. I used to feel like, man, I really got to break through. I got to get this. I, I got to push through because God doesn't want to do it, but I'm going to get to him. No, he wants to. You don't have to do it. See, it's, it's, a lot of it has to do with our attitudes. Do we believe that? He said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. You have not because you... Ask not. One of my prayers, uh, a couple of my prayers that I used to pray uh, are the prayers out of Ephesians and Colossians. One is, I pray that you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of you, that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. And then I pray uh, in Colossians I, I, that I would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so they may walk in a manner worthy of you, uh, fully pleasing you in all respects, bearing fruit into every good work and pleasing in the knowledge, uh, uh, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so what I'm asking for is wisdom. But here's the thing is if you never let God respond, if you never see, and a lot of times God will respond through his word. So if you don't read his word, you're not going to let him talk to you. If you don't listen, you're not going to let him talk to you. But the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Right? So I don't spend a lot of time badgering God, berating. That's not my prayer time. I'm not saying that, that I hadn't been there before. I'm just saying is I, I, I have an expectation that he wants to answer me. He wants to give me the solutions to the problems that we face. He wants to do these things. What father? I, I, I long for the day when my kids will come and say, Dad, I want to go to lunch with you. I just want to talk. Don't you long for those days? He's our, if we're good fathers and mothers and we wanted that from our children, what does he want from us? He doesn't need us. There's nothing in us. He didn't need us. He didn't create us because he needed us. He's complete in himself. But he wants us. He loves us. He hears something about this joy in doing for something that he loves. That's what love does. I enjoy doing something for you. Right? And so he wants it, and he's already told us, do we believe his word? Let God be true and every man a liar, but somehow when he says something, we don't believe it? Why? I think it's because we haven't spent enough time in his presence getting to know the God who said these things. We heard what he said. Oh, but so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so. But they didn't really mean what they said. But see, God means what he says. And the more you spend time with him. And I've come to learn that sometimes when he says no, it's not because he doesn't love me. It's because he loves me. He's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. It doesn't mean that he's saying no forever. He's just saying Uh, you're not at a place where you can handle what I want you to have it, but it's kind of like giving a child, and they want to use a chainsaw, what would you say? No. But, Dad, you own a chainsaw business. I know. That's why I'm telling you no. One day you'll have all the chainsaws, but not until you learn how to handle them, because I don't want you to hurt yourself. Right? So who knows more, you or me? What you do? So who should do most of the talking? Now, again, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to do things the way that I do, right? But you can learn from me, right? And we can learn from each other. I learned to pray more in tongues by watching you guys pray in tongues. Because it wasn't that I don't pray in tongues. I just don't do it as frequently as y'all. But I learned how to do that. I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning that also has to be a part of my prayer life. I'm growing just like you right? So I learned some things from you. You can learn some things from me. But what's the goal? That we recognize that we're in communion with an almighty God, but he's an all-loving God. And the more we recognize that and the more we open ourselves up for him to to listen and hear what he's saying, that's what Cornelius found, that God had something to say probably far greater. I don't think Cornelius entered his mind. Hey, man, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was just like doing, he loved God, he was doing the right thing, and God saw his heart and says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless your socks off by doing something you never even crushed your mind. Right? And God reveals himself to him. But I didn't tell him all this. He just says, I want you to do something. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to uh, send for Peter, okay? And again, this is just the message, but we're just kind of uh, doing a little bit different. So he, I want you to send for Peter. And so the hour of prayer became the hour of revelation. But it's important to realize that you've got to move from prayer and revelation to obedience. As I said, the Christian life is not hard. But it is hard. Because sometimes the things that he asks us to do, he doesn't give explanation for. Do you trust me? Yeah, but I need to know why you want me to do this. <laughs> do you trust me? Well, yeah, but you're kind of asking me to put myself out in the limb. Well, weren't the worshipers, like Bobby said, put out in the limb when he put them out in front? Do you trust me? Well, I don't know if I trust you that much. What he, and so what happened when the angel spoke to, uh, uh, to Cornelius, the Bible says Acts 10: seven8, the angel departed and Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here we find that when God revealed himself to Cornelius, he gave him instructions. And what was Cornelius's response? When God revealed something to him in prayer, Cornelius, did what God showed him to do. When he gives us instruction in prayer, it's not simply to have another piece of information. It's not simply to have more revelation. It's so that we can take what he has revealed to us and proceed to act on it. James 1, 22-25, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In the society that we live in, we equate knowledge uh, with uh, action. I know it. I've given mental assent to it. But in the Hebrew culture, until you did it, you didn't know it. Right? Yeah, I went to class. I learned it all. I memorized it. I can quote the scriptures. But are you doing it? Because if you're not doing it, then you don't know it. Right? But I know it. I know it up here. No, until it gets down here, you don't know it. How do I know if I know it? When you start to squeeze you, what comes out? Right? So doers of the word, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he himself, he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looked into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being uh, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his hearing. When does the blessing come? When you do what God says. Wow, I read that the whole time. I never saw that before. When is your blessing? In your doing. In the Gospels, Jesus tells his disciples that the ones who have, the context is the one who's hungry and pursues to understand the truth that God gave him The one who has to the one who has, more will be given. So the gist is it's the one who does something with what is being revealed to him that receives more. And when he receives more, he receives it in greater abundance. Matthew 13, 10 through 12. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, you've been getting revelation, and you're doing something with the revelation, you're asking me about it. To the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who only hears and doesn't do anything about it, right, even what he has will be taken away. What do you mean to be taken away? Remember the parable where the seed was sown on hard ground? And because they didn't do the seed didn't find root. What happened? The birds of the air came and took it away. How often do we pray about something and God reveals an answer to us, but instead of acting on what he has given to us, we either neglect to do something or sit idly by, hoping that something will happen apart from us? Matthew 17, 25-27, he said, "'When he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, "'What do you think, Simon, from whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax, from their sons or from others?' And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea, cast the hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Now, I read this for this reason. What would have happened is when Peter was given this information, he simply said, Thank you, Lord, and he did nothing with the revelation. Would he have had the money that he needed to pay his taxes? Was the money available? Oh, come on. What kind of crazy thing? Go catch a fish? Right? I need to pay my taxes and you're telling me to catch a fish? Have you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible? Remember the woman that came to Elijah and she, her husband died and she had nothing in her house? What did the prophet tell her to do? He told her. He said, go take what little oil you had because you lied to me when you said you had nothing. You had a little bit of oil. Go take the oil, borrow vessels, not a few, and then get into the house, close the door, and begin to pour. Are you crazy? What about the disciples when they come to Jesus and they said, this crowd's hungry. You better send them home. He said, no, you feed them. Yeah. What? Give me what you got. Five loaves, two fishes. I mean, if we break them really small. Give me what you got. And what does God do? Gives thanks. Gives it back to the disciples. And this says, pass it out. Well, same amounts. It's actually less. Because I gave him five loaves and two fishes. He broke it, and now I have half a loaf. And he said, go feed them. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have you read the Bible? What happens when they go feed them? It doesn't become multitudes of bread and they take from the multitudes. No, it multiplies as they do what he said. You will be blessed in the doing. How do I know? You won't know until you do, but when you do, you will know.